Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villanova English Podcast, and we've got another panel show for you all today. And it is a Villanova English careers panel. We got together some alumni from the undergraduate English program here at Villanova, and they are going to be talking all about their career paths, um, what they have done, how they have been able to leverage the skills that they learned in the Villanova English department in order to further their professional goals. So we have four panelists, Colleen Frank, Jill Kingsland, Elizabeth Kreider, and Christy Wallace. I just want to say again that I'm so thankful to all of these panelists for agreeing to, uh, to speak with us. And I want to thank Professor Heather Hicks as well, who will be moderating the discussion. And she will be the first voice that you hear after our theme song. I want to start just by welcoming everybody and thanking you for being here for our 2021 English Department Career Panel. Um, just a few preliminaries and then we can get started. Um, I want to thank the Career Centers, uh, Taylor, Landon, Freeman for helping to organize this event and also our English Program Coordinator, Mike Malloy, who is right now overseeing um, uh, admission into the Zoom space and who will uh, be moderating the chat for us during the event. And I wanna explain the format. So we're lucky to have four Villanova English alumni with us today, uh, Colleen Frank, Jill Kingsland, Elizabeth Kreider, and Christy Wallace. And uh, each of them has agreed to talk for five minutes or so about their career paths and their current work. And after they've all spoken, we're gonna have a Q&A. So if you have questions, you can put them in the chat while they're presenting, um, or you can raise your hand during use the raise hand function once we have um, started the Q&A. Okay, so we're gonna get started, and um, we're gonna hear from our speakers in alphabetical order. So we're gonna start with Colleen. Um, Colleen Frank works at the largest independent entertainment publicity firm, ID Public Relations, representing clients like Apple TV and National Geographic, as well as brands including Rotten Tomatoes and College Humor. So Colleen, you can take it away. Thank you. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see some faces. Um, looks like I'm seeing some backgrounds of dorms and everything, so it's always great to see. Um, yeah, I'm thrilled to be able to chat with you all. Um, I graduated in 2015, so I'm just about six years out of my time at Villanova. Um, and my career began in a pretty unconventional way. Um, I actually work obviously in the entertainment industry and my first internship was at Jerry Springer and Maury um, in Stamford, Connecticut. And I had never really wanted to work in TV. Um, I actually wanted to be a writer for most of my life, um, hence the English major. Um, and you know, I, I started interning in TV and I, I really loved it. And I was so surprised and shocked at how many people go into building a television show. Yes, even Jerry Springer and Maury have massive production crews behind them. Um, producers and directors and publicists, which is what I am now. Um, and from then on, I was kind of hooked. Um, and so when I went back to senior year, I uh, ended up interning at NBC10 in Philly, because um, I kind of wanted to get as many experiences as I could um, working in, in the TV industry. Um, and from there, um, you know, my, my senior year, I, I interned, and then I would kind of hit that point where I was applying for jobs. And unlike our wonderful friends in the business school, I was struggling my senior year spring to find somebody who would line up a job for me and hire me, um, you know, before I had even graduated, which everyone was hearing about the jobs that they got. And I hadn't, you know, been able to lock anything in because in TV, they tend to hire pretty immediately. They want to fill the spot right away. Um, so I ended up applying for the NBC Universal Page Program, um, which was a year-long rotational program um, at 30 Rock in New York City. For anybody who's seen 30 Rock, the show, it's who, who Kenneth the Page is, um, uh, <laughs> that I worked at um, the Today Show and Saturday Night Live and Jimmy Fallon show and, and kind of rotated around to different departments at, at, at NBC. And kind of from there, um, I fell in love with 
doing publicity for TV shows, it was kind of the perfect way to blend reading and writing and, and all the things that I learned um, from being an English major. Um, I was an English and communication double major um, during my time at school. Um, and, you know, after, after that, I worked for Harry Connick Jr. and his talk show. Um, I worked for Epics, which is a premium uh, pay TV network. Um, I ran PR for College Humor, and now I'm at ID. So I've, I've had quite a few jobs since um, I graduated in 2015, but that is, that's not quite uncommon for this kind of field of work, um, where I, I, my fiance works in finance, and he's, you know, been at the same company and, and kind of in the same job for, you know, the past 10 years. Um, I've kind of bounced around a lot, which is definitely hard to explain to my dad who works in sales and has for his entire life. Um, so uh, as for how my experience at Villanova and being an English major has impacted who I am today, um, you know, I look back really, really fondly uh, at my time at Villanova, of course. It's a wonder, really, really special, wonderful place. Um, and I kind of dove right into doing a ton of activities right from uh, my start my freshman year, I was in an acapella group, I joined a sorority, I wrote for the paper. Um, and I, I really just tried to soak up as much as I possibly could. Um, so a lot of a lot of what I learned at Villanova was, you know, how to be social and how to be confident, um, and, and really learning how to organize my time and manage my time. Um, and while I was also a communication major, it was actually, you know, my really small intimate classes in the English program that I look back at as kind of really made me who I am today as a publicist. Um, you know, you can't really be shy or, or insecure in a 12 person classroom where you have to read a short story or a poem or something that you wrote, um, or confidently read Chaucer and, you know, then describe what he said. Um, so I kind of, in those rooms, learned how confident I could be, um, and that, you know, in, in my current job, you can't really be shy. Um, and you definitely have to be able to stand up to, you know, Every day I'm standing up to prominent Hollywood agents and managers or editors at the New York Times who are maybe saying something not nice about a client of mine and I have to be confident um, in those situations. Um, and so it kind of uh, goes to show that, you know, yes, well, what I do doesn't necessarily directly correlate with, with what I studied, you know, studying Victorian literature doesn't really translate into what I do for my job now. Um, I, I really, you know, look back super fondly at, at those experiences, um, and it really has contributed to who I am today. And so, you know, going from that and how I kind of had bounced around and, and have these multiple jobs since I graduated six years ago, um, it's, it's not necessarily the easiest field to break into. Um, it's a lot of networking. Um, a lot of grunt work to kind of get you to where you are. Um, you know, you really do have to make some sacrifices, especially monetarily. Um, I, you know, my first year working in the PAGE program, I lived in a one-bedroom apartment that we split into three. So three people lived there. Um, you know, it's just a classic kind of New York building your way up story. Um, but, you know, I, I really believe that if you are passionate about something, and it sounds corny and cliche, um, you, will, you will get there eventually. And your first job might not be your dream job, especially in this industry, but you know, if you keep at it, eventually you will hit a point where you're doing something that you love every day. Um, and so everyone starts somewhere, and I kind of believe that working hard and networking will get you to where you, you need to be. And you know, I'm happy to answer any questions if people are interested in, in the entertainment industry and all of that. Um, and I'm grateful to be here with all of you lovely people. So thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Colleen. And um, yes, if you have questions for, for Colleen, you can put them in the chat now or raise your hand at the end of the, of the presentations. Um, next, we're gonna hear from Jill Kingsland, um, who's a communications consultant at Vanguard in Malvern. Uh, she currently works in the finance division where she supports internal communications for senior leaders, employees, storytelling, and divisional events. So Jill. Thank you. 
Um, so I actually went to Villanova and graduated as a double major with English and secondary education. And usually when you do secondary ed, you get a concentration in your teaching area. Um, but I was fortunate to work with Dr. Radcliffe on what it would look like to do the kind of fast track to the double major, because it was very important to me that I majored in both English and the secondary ed. Um, because I identified so much as an English kid. So um, I ended up being really glad that I did. Um, I taught for two years at the middle school and then high school level, and it was great. I loved it, um, but it didn't work out for me as a long-term career. So I applied at Vanguard. And at first I was in their kind of client service role. Um, so it's a phone roll and you're working with um, participants in our retirement services. And I did that job for about um, three and a half years. And then just um, while I was doing that, even though it wasn't what I necessarily wanted to do, um, it was just so important to, along the way, try to find the opportunities that presented themselves to use my English background. So um, I would help people edit their personal statements for applying for new jobs. I would um, got involved with projects where I used our internal style guide um, and learned more about the way that our, um, our editors and our writers work. And then eventually I was fortunate to get a role as an editor in our training department. So that was kind of how I broke in and finally felt like I was using my degree, uh, which is so exciting, of course. And um, from there, just kind of worked my way through. Um, you might be hearing my puppy. I apologize if you are. Um, uh, worked my way from editing into um, more general internal communications for our human resources division. And then more recently, um, about two, almost two years ago at this point, um, moved over to our finance division to handle internal communications there as well. Um, so those are the ways that Villanova benefited me and kind of what I, um, what I do. Um, I do a lot of editing. I do still, I do a lot of writing and, um, I, I feel like in order to be a good communications consultant, you need to be a good communicator. And I feel like the English background was just so incredibly important for success there. Um, and then just to share a few things in terms of um, what we have available at Vanguard, not that this is a, um, not that this is a, a, a recruiting fair, um, but I just wanted to let you know that um, we have, uh, in June, they will be recruiting for summer of 2022 for any full-time rotational programs and internships, which are actually paid. Um, there's also, um, they're going to be hiring um, at any time for client relationship associate roles, which is what I started as, um, and then other relationship roles for high net worth and retail sales consultants. Um, but the bottom line with a company like Vanguard is that they kind of want you to um, learn the business. So you kind of start in the client relationship role, but it's such a big company. And you could say the same for a lot of big companies like Vanguard that, you know, you're, I'm not a finance person, but there's communications roles in so many places that you might not think of. So just to let yourself be open to things like that, that you might not have thought, but just keep in mind that you might have to kind of like work your way in. So let me know if you have any questions. Thanks. And I'll mute so that Dexter is not distracting. Thank you, Jill. We're happy to hear from your puppy, no worries. Um, our next speaker is Elizabeth Kreider and she works for the Curate Retail Group as their Corporate Responsibility Manager. Um, and Curate, which includes retailers such as QVC and Zulily. In her position, she works behind the scenes to protect and enhance the company's reputation in areas such as sustainability and product responsibility. So hey, hi everybody, thanks for having me. I'm sure you've had a very strange year as an undergraduate student. I reflect on what you all must be going through in the world of COVID. And I think of you often, I live right down the street. 
Um, so yeah, I, I graduated 15 years ago, which is hard to believe. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my English major, but I wanted to do something that created a positive change in the world. And uh, which is one of the reasons I chose Villanova because of the Augustinian um, values and the sense of community there. So I was really involved in campus ministry and um, volunteering on uh, campus and off campus in the city of Philadelphia and doing service learning programs and that sort of a thing. Um, so I thought I wanted to go into public policy actually. And I figured in order to write laws, you have to be good writers. And I loved stories. Um, my mother would read to me um, and was very passionate about literacy um, her whole life. And so she instilled the love of storytelling um, in me and that's why I pursued English. So I left Villanova, I did a fellowship program called the Coro Fellows Program in Public Affairs. And I lived in Pittsburgh um, for a year. And it was a pretty cool program. They would rotate you through um, host placements at organizations that needed support on a consulting project, but they didn't have a big budget to pay a professional consultant. So they would kind of go out on a limb and take on a young professional who was smart and eager and wanted to contribute. And I liked the program because for the first three months, I was at a nonprofit organization, then they rotated me and I was at a government agency. And then the last three months of the program, I was at a for-profit company. So I also could figure out like what sector is right for me. Um, and it was a great experience because I realized I do not want to do public policy. And I was about to enroll in my master's degree in public policy at Carnegie Mellon. So I saved a lot of money and heartache by learning very quickly, hands-on, that I did not want to do that. Um, and that was back in 2007, and then the great, you know, the recession hit in 2008. So, oh my gosh, I moved back in with my parents, which I, you know, swore I would never do. And I was a substitute teacher for six months, and it was, it was awful. It was awful. <laughs> and I had no idea, like, what I was going to do with my life. And so I also was very stubborn and committed to like just applying to jobs on the internet and not, not using my family's connections or networking to get a job. I was gonna do it my way. And hence why it took me over a year to find a job because I ultimately landed at a resort in Charlottesville, Virginia through networking. Um, someone my father knew and um, he spoke highly of me and you know, through the chain of different people I met, he um, you know, agreed to, to take a chance on me because I didn't have any real world experience other than like an internship here or there. So I lived in Charlottesville, Virginia for a couple of years and I did human resources work, helping hire um, new employees and train them. It was a four diamond resort. So they had very specific four diamond standards like customer service standards that you had to meet. So I would train our, our employees on that. And um, it was like a five hour drive back to Pennsylvania every time there was a birthday or a, you know, a holiday. And I seemed to be the one always doing the driving. And um, I said, I want to go back to Philadelphia. That's where I feel like I should be. So I targeted companies in the Philadelphia area that were well known for having a, a strong employee culture. And that's how I landed at QVC. So I've been at QVC now for 10 years. Our global headquarters is in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And my first role at QVC, I was um, a project manager and I worked on lots of different projects supporting human resources, corporate communications, the marketing team. And I said all along, I had a really, a, another tip I, would, a tip I would give you is, align yourself with a strong mentor internally wherever you land um, and if you're a, a female even better to have a male um, mentor who's high up in the organization who can really advocate for you and help you with pay negotiations too a tip i would give you don't um that's that's something that's real in the world so ladies make sure you um pay attention to that and so i um you know, a, a gentleman, a senior vice president, um, 
was really kind to me and mentored me. And I said to him, you know, if the company ever decides to invest in sustainability and corporate responsibility and really, you know, set some bold goals and targets and, and do this right, I would love to do that work. Can you keep me in mind? And um, he said, absolutely. And a couple, it took a couple years. You know, I was in a job that wasn't my dream job, but I stuck with it. And then, and now I'm in the role that I'm in now. So I won't go into detail. I just wanted to show you what my job entails. It is a lot of writing and storytelling and bringing to life our um, goals and targets, our commitments that we are making to operate as a responsible um, corporate citizen. Um, so obviously writing is a skill that I honed at Villanova as an English major. Critical thinking is a skill that I definitely take with me every day as an English major. Um, being able to both write but also speak articulately and clearly and persuasively. Not everyone, you know, non-English majors perhaps do not have that skill set. And so I would say that's something that I take with me every day. And also just being good questions. Um, I think that's something I learned at Villanova, being really, I'm pretty curious by nature, but um, helping frame your thoughts in a way and coming up with really good questions, I think has helped me stand out a little bit in my career. Um, maybe I ask too many questions, I don't know, but I have gotten positive feedback that um, you know, I'm really glad after a meeting, I'm really glad you spoke up and asked that question because I was thinking the same thing, but I, I wasn't comfortable asking it. And I think that really helped the group or the team get clarity on our direction. Um, so that's another skill as an English major, I think I gained that I, I use every day. And uh, real quick, I, I thought I'd also share a few books that have been helpful to me over the past 15 years. Uh, what Color Is Your Parachute? That's a great career guide. Um, if you really don't know where to turn, it helps you think through um, your strengths, your skills, your passions, and things that you might not be thinking about um, that, that you should. Like, um, I mean, now we're in the world of a pandemic, so it's a little different, but I remember some questions in the book were like, do you want to work for a corporation or do you want to work for a small company? Do you want to work in an office building or um, do you want to work from home? Like those might seem like obvious questions, but unless you really stop and think like, what do I want my day to day to really look like um, and feel like, and who am I interacting with? Um, what am I doing? They're obvious questions, but I feel like a lot of people don't think that through and then they just take on a job and then they realize this isn't anything that I wanted to do or be. Um, so that book, What Color Is Your Parachute, is a good book. And um, The First 90 Days is another really great book for anyone onboarding to a new organization. Um, it helps you navigate um, relationship building and thinking through the various stakeholders that you're going to come across in a, in a big organization. Um, and then if you're at all interested in corporate responsibility, the book, The Big Pivot by Andrew Winston's really great. It gets me really jazzed about sustainability and what um, the business world can, can do to contribute um, to a more sustainable world. So I'd recommend that book too. And we have an internship program. I'm not intimately familiar with it, but I do know I've come across Villanova undergrads who have been interns at QVC and um, I could get you more information if you want to learn more about it. Great. Thank you so much, Beth. That was wonderful. Okay. Um, and our fourth speaker is Christy Wallace, um, who's the CEO of Elevate Network, a business organization for women. Um, she directs the network staff, is responsible for business growth and strategy, and works closely with Elevate's chapter leaders, business partners, and champions to further Elevate's impact. Thank you. Uh, really excited to be here and to meet all of you. Uh, so as Dr. Hicks said, I'm Christy Wallace. I'm the CEO of Elevate Network. I'm also an angel investor in women and non-binary femme social enterprises. I'm an advisor to UN Women's Global Innovation Coalition, a board member for the Girl Scouts, and I um, am also an advisor to the Villanova ICE Institute. 
And I say all of that um, because that's where I am now, but there was a, certainly a journey to get here. I actually graduated from Villanova in 1999, so over 20 years ago. Uh, Dr. Hicks was my advisor on my senior thesis, which was on The Handmaid's Tale, which now is having a resurgence. Uh, and so much has happened during that time. I graduated uh, faxing paper resumes and not having a cell phone. And so, so much in the world has changed, and yet our careers are still dynamic, they're growing, they're exciting. Uh, many of the basic tenets of that continue to remain true. Uh, I was an English and sociology double major when I graduated and went, of course, into investment banking because that is what you do. Um, and I did that, and the reason that they hired me into investment banking is because I could write pitch books. And there was a real estate investment banking, they wanted someone who could look at the, the data from my sociology degree and write it up. And I loved it because I realized how much I enjoyed that aspect of business. I did not love it because I realized investment banking is not the place for me. Uh, living, working in that type of corporate environment was stifling for me personally, um, but that's okay because what happens in your career is there's a million opportunities where you'll find that it works, it doesn't work, you lean into that, you learn and you grow. We don't have it figured out off the bat. So when I decided investment banking wasn't the place to be, a good friend from Villanova was working at a startup. This was back in like, you know, 2000, 2001. New York was Silicon Alley. And she said, you have to come work here. It was an organization called vault.com. We produced all these career guides and uh, she was working in PR. She said, all right, Kristi, this is the place you need to be. It's a sales role. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not a salesperson. That's slimy, that's gross. I don't want that. She said, yes. You love relationships, you love people, you should do it. I said, nope, that's not for me. She said, come on, trust me. So I did trust her and realized that I loved it. I was there for nine years. When we exited the company, I was on the senior leadership team and reaped the benefits of being part of a startup that had a successful exit. I was running all of our North American revenue operations and discovered how important it is to build relationships to push yourself and to grow. I was then tasked with growing the business globally. So in Europe and Asia, building out vaults operations overseas, and then decided, okay, what's next? That's when I had my first kid, realized I, my career is probably my number one priority at that time, and decided to pivot uh, to another startup. I was on the founding team of a startup called Zeal. It was a team that I'd worked with before at Vault, so really building on those connections and those relationships. And I loved that. It was from the ground up, a completely different experience. Understanding how to pick a name, how to under, what is the revenue model, how to raise money. Learned so many new skills, and that was you know, already 10 years into my career. And so you realize that as your career goes on, there's always challenges, there's always learning opportunities, there's so much to do. So after Zeal, uh, where we grew that through the first exit and it's still going strong today, it's a in-home massage on demand. We started as this health and wellness Uber, uh, ZocDoc for, for health and wellness, and then we pivoted, so lots of that pivoting opportunities. Um, I decided I wanted something with more passion, or purpose, I wanted to do something that would get me out of bed every, every morning and fulfill me uh, and my personal interests. So I went on a listening tour. Uh, didn't really know what I didn't know, right? I mean, I'd always worked in startups and in tech, building communities and information, and wasn't sure what that next step was. Should I work at Google? Should I work at a nonprofit? It was unclear. So I tapped into my network. I, I probably had you know, 50 conversations with people and then friends of people and then friends of people uh, to understand what they did every day, what they liked doing, what skills they used, what their experiences were. And all of those conversations led me to one, 
where I was talking to this woman, Allie, she worked at the Clinton Foundation and had been in finance and had all of these different experiences. And she said, you know what? I just bought a company called 85 Broads. You should work here. The next morning, I met Sally Krawcheck, who's former uh, head of Bank of America, very the most senior woman on Wall Street during the economic downturn. Not this one, the one before. And she said, I want you to work here. I want to hire you. So I came in to this organization uh, that was focused on gender equality in the workplace, focused on really closing that gap, seeing more women in leadership and on boards, something I was passionate about, something that would get me out of bed in the morning, and something that I had come upon just due to the power of a network. And I have, in the six years since I joined Elevate Network as CEO, uh, we've grown the company 20x. I've taken it from an analog business to a digital business. During COVID, we've completely pivoted to focusing on a fully digital experience where we support our community. We are creating opportunities for connection, for learning, and for development. And that whole journey that I've been on had led me to where I am today. Because every step of the way, it's about relationships. It's about expanding your mind, doing the things maybe you think aren't the right things for you, but dipping your toe in the water. It's about uh, building these connections between all of your experiences. And I, every part of the way has been amazing. But bringing it back to that Villanova, of course, my senior thesis, Handmaid's Tale, it's really about understanding how do you ask the questions? How do you look at the full picture, analyze, create your thesis, create your ideas, your opinions, and support them? What are the ways to be curious, but also to build those relationships and connections? So I encourage everyone here um, to go on a listening tour, uh, as maybe you're exploring what's next in your career. When I graduated, I totally thought I was going to law school, did not go to law school, and I'm, I'm happy I did. And that's a path for many people, but it wasn't the path for me. And I'm honored to have had these conversations and experiences with others who helped me learn and, and realize what was out there. Um, but I also encourage you to, beyond having conversations and being curious, uh, to lean into your network, to take chances and risks, and to know that your career is a long journey uh, with many twists and turns and no straight lines. And that's an amazing journey to be on. Find purpose, find excitement in what you do every day. And uh, please, I put my email and LinkedIn in the chat. Reach out to me. You know, my, connect, my LinkedIn network's over 20,000 people. I can connect you. That's the power of what Villanova is all about, is this is a community that's here to support you and wants to see you succeed and wants to find, help you find that purpose. Thank you so much, Christy. Thanks. Okay, well, um, we have time for questions. Mike, I don't know if there are questions in the chat or if um, students want to ask by raising their hand. Yeah, so this would be a good time to uh, put any questions you might have in the chat box or to raise your hand to ask a question. Dr. Radcliffe, I, uh, I just saw your note. Yes, it was Mary Rosenberger. She's amazing. A good friend from school and continues to be one. Yeah, I just rec remember that she graduated the same year and that she'd worked for Vault. So then I thought, oh, that sounds like Mary. <laughs> it was, and now she owns her own company in Philadelphia. Uh, so she does a whole, it's like a self-help media company. And she's, yeah, she's fantastic. But the connections are, are pretty powerful. I run into Villanova people all the time. We'll have to get her on the next, the next set of panels. You, you totally should. I guess I have a question for any of you um, while we're waiting for maybe a student or two to, to uh, think about what they might want to ask, which is just how you go about networking. I think students or all of us might be a little intimidated uh, in terms of, of how to approach those kinds of conversations. So if any of you want to 
offer any reflections on how one gets over any shyness about uh, trying to reach out. That might be helpful. I mean, I can jump in. Um, I'm a total introvert. I, um, uh, yeah, things like this, like drain my energy walking into a networking event, although those haven't happened in quite some time, are, is completely intimidating to me. But I value human connection and I value relationships. And so what has been really fulfilling for me is um, the cultivating the connections that I make, you know, connections from Villanova, from my career, where I, um, I literally have in my calendar a list of people that I want to make sure I'm staying in touch with. And I keep adding to the list from different meetings and experiences and touch points, and I reach out to them. Um, I love, I'm very curious, I love reading newsletters and different articles. And when I do that, I always read with the intent to learn, with the intent to share. Who would appreciate this? Do I share it on my LinkedIn? Do I share it with someone personally? Um, so it's about the building those ongoing touch points with the people in your network. Uh, research shows that to succeed, particularly for women, you need two networks. One is a small, intimate network that gives you that advice and that support, that inside scoop on what it's like to work, to negotiate a raise, to navigate your career, and a larger network that connects you to opportunities. And when I think about networking, it's oftentimes seen as kind of like cheesy or transactional, but it's really reframing that in terms of what can I offer. So if you approach networking, what can you offer? And I assure you, every single one of you has something to offer. It's advice, it's insight, it's expertise. Then that becomes less transactional, more relationship driven. What can you offer? And then what do you need? And it's okay to make that ask of someone when you're willing to give as well. Uh, so I just recommend doing it every day, um, making it part of, of your life and your career. It's about relationship building. It's about understanding what your ask is, because uh, it's okay to have an ask. And I really sucked at that for a long time when someone would say, what do you need? And I was like, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But no, there's always something. You need something. Um, and don't discount your peers. Your peers are such a wealth of knowledge, of support and experience. And as you grow throughout your career, that peer networking, that peer mentorship, will take you a long way. I'd also say too that the worst that can happen is that someone doesn't respond to you, you know, but especially if it's a Villanova person, I find in when I was reaching out to people and I find when people reach out to me now that we all want to help each other. That's a common bond that we have that we all went to school there and especially if it's even further that, you know, we're, you were an English major and I was also an English major, but the worst that can happen is someone doesn't respond and the vast majority of people will. Yeah, and I found people generally like, you know, they like talking about themselves and they, they want to help um, young people. They, everyone was, you know, started somewhere, right? So if you position it as, um, I just like to pick your brain and learn from you, do you have 30 minutes? Um, I have a few questions. Also, maybe this is just more my style, but people also don't want you to waste their time. So if you show, you know, that you're prepared and you're coming to the conversation with some thoughtful questions, even email them in advance. Um, in fact, I sent a link of some good questions I've pulled from in the past. Um, here are some questions I'd love um, to ask you if you have 30 minutes and you send them in advance. Like that shows you know, thoughtfulness and that'll increase your chance that someone will meet you for coffee, I guess, virtually these days or, or not. And I thought there was another really great question in here and if I can just jump to it. Um, when any of you were at the most challenging parts of your career, how did you make it through? Um, so I just, I just kind of took a step back mentally. Um, and allowed myself to just, this, this might be horrible advice, but this is how I did it. I'm gonna answer your question honestly. I allowed myself to um, coast for a couple weeks because I was getting so frustrated that I was hitting my head against the wall for so long. And uh, 
my dad said, well, why don't you stop hitting your head against the wall then? And I, I didn't realize that that was an option. Um, so I coasted for a couple of weeks. Like I just let myself mentally and emotionally check out so that I could take care of myself, have some self-preservation, and then come back to the situation with a fresh lens when I was ready in my own time and approach it differently. And um, that, that worked for me, giving myself permission to just take a time out. <laughs> um, for me, for that one, um, I would say kind of the beginning of my career when I wasn't doing what I wanted to be doing, but still trying to find ways to break in, so to speak. And um, it was also about making connections because the person who let me know about the editing role that had become available was um, someone who, who I'd formed a great relationship with who became a trainer and that's how he was aware of the role that was posted. Um, so relationships were so important there as well. And um, more recently, um, uh, when I was applying for the role that I'm in right now, um, I was kind of lacking the confidence to do something else because I was in HR for so long and I was so comfortable. And I didn't want to, um, I, at first I was resisting kind of moving forward um, or growing. And it took um, a push from some of my supportive uh, mentors and coworkers to build that confidence and um, be in a place where I was ready to grow or like feel like I could um, still be great or make a difference. Um, so that was also something to, um, to think about. So we had a, uh, another question come in. Um, which class at Villanova had the most influence on you in your life and career and why? I can jump in. Um, so Dr. Hicks, I don't know if you still teach this class, but uh, Dr. Hicks used to teach this uh, science fiction. It was like gender and science fiction class. And um, it was, you know, I love reading, right? So I have, um, I'll have to find it. We just moved. It's over here. I have the first set of Nancy Drew novels my grandfather bought me at a yard sale, right? And it's over here and it's, it's like where I loved reading. But Dr. Hicks's um, like science fiction and, and gender class was where I just really expanded my mind into reading, into saying like there's, you know, different genres into really exploring gender and gender identity in a way that continues to stay with me today and to be my purpose. Um, and in, you know, my whole education up until that point, I, I felt like, you know, I read to read um, and there I read to explore and to learn and to grow and to question. And so I, I you know, I took many classes after that and I continue to do that. But that for me is why I would always encourage English as a major is your mind is expanded. You know, you have to take something and interpret it through your lens to analyze it, to understand it. What are the themes? What are the lessons? How do you then tell that back to somebody else? And sometimes it may be something that you yourself hadn't fully explored before a genre or idea or concept. And then once you do that, you realize that that is powerful. That is something that translates to business, to being able to understand trends to understand your team and concepts. And so that was the class that like really sticks with me today and always will. Um, for me, I would love to say that uh, Jimmy Murphy's British Lit class made me a better storyteller, but unfortunately it didn't. I'm still socially awkward. Um, but Evan Radcliffe's classics class um, where we read the Iliad, etc. Um, I will never forget the notes that you wrote on the papers that we did and that those notes and just your thoughts and your questions just made me want to be such a better writer. And when I did teach um, my student teaching year, um, when they wrote a paper, I actually did the same thing and I gave them uh, the same kind of comments that you had given us. And um, it, and it's still what I do 
when I look at other people's writing and as I'm trying to become a better writer myself, like it's that kind of impact that it's just kept me going. Mine was my senior year um, thesis with Dr. Berthold on leaves of grass. And um, I, I, it's hands down was the most, um, the best class I ever took at any university. And I've taken classes at some other universities. And I've been thinking about that class actually a lot recently, particularly over the past year, because I remember the questions we discussed in it all about what does it mean to be an American and how to um, navigate this country in you know, whatever uh, life experience you're in or um, share with others. And um, I've always pictured if, what's her name? Um, Gorman, the, the young woman who spoke at um, the inauguration. I thought, well, Walt Whitman would have been our American poet at inauguration if we were back in the 1800s. That was a great class. I had a really wonderful experience um, with Chiji Akoma um, in, it was an African literature class. Um, and I, I double minored in Africana studies and peace and justice. And his course really, you know, opened my mind to other cultures. I had never left the country. Um, when I'd gotten to Villanova. Um, and I, you know, just learned a ton from these really, really brilliant and beautiful African writers. Um, and so that course with, with Chiji was was really amazing and and you know kind of connected me into other areas that, you know, really, really benefited um, benefited me during college and after. I'll mention that um, Professor Akoma is teaching that class in the, in the fall. So for students who are listening in, he's teaching African literature uh, next semester. So and he's wonderful. I have one more question. I just wondered if any of you feel like predicting the future in terms of your own industries or other industries that you feel like students should really be looking out for as as growth areas or areas where their English strengths and skills might might really benefit them, since we're obviously in a we're in a tumultuous time economically right now, but we're also in a larger uh, sort of economic period of economic complexity with all of the changes with technology and so forth. Anyone want to go for the big answers? I think in a way it's almost kind of a good time um, because the comp like I think a lot it, the winds are changing and um, the ways that companies are going to need to be competitive to like to hire top talent and if we're going to continue working remotely let's say um, like let's say Vanguard needs to hire Vanguard can open up the doors to hiring from anywhere instead of just from Malvern and Scottsdale and um, in North Carolina and a couple other global regions you know like what does that mean from a talent perspective um, and it's nice for for everyone um, to just like think about your you know what your career can really be or like where you can where you can be and be happy working from home you get like interruptions all the time uh but i would say in terms of you know so i i want to flip things on its head a little bit um we tend to if you think about the entire matrix of industries of functional areas um company sizes emerging trends and there's a lot there uh, and we tend to like at least i did when i graduated school be more linear in thinking like oh i'm going to do pr or i'm going to do this uh, and i encourage you to you know think more of a ecosystem and a matrix there are a lot of opportunities out there start with what you want to do um, 
and you may not know that, like what are the things that you find interesting if it's financial modeling or if it's, you know, writing, um, if it's, you know, uh, media or, you know, TV or whatever those things are that fuel your passion, that get you excited. And then take it from there. It is an exploration. I know that can feel really daunting and overwhelming when you're in the midst of a job search, um, that there's so many options out there. Um, but start to like, you know, search engines can be your friend, um, thinking and networks again, back to the networks. But, you know, if, if I really am excited about these types of industries, right. Um, health or, um, media or nonprofits, what, what gets you excited? And then what are the things that you want to do functionally? And then how do you make that intersection? So I know, I might be making it sound a little bit more complicated than it needs to be. But I feel that when I graduated college, my viewpoint was too, um, too linear. You know, I was like, okay, what do you do with an English major? I should do this or I should do that. And what I've come to realize is that having an English major is the most powerful tool in your toolbox. You have so many skills. There's so much you bring to the table. It can be overwhelming the amount of options available to you. So think about what you're passionate about uh, what you like to do every day, make sure you tap into your network. And more tangibly, I would say, you know, in terms of trends and industries that are continuing to grow, obviously healthcare, obviously education, but that could be anything from being a teacher to ed tech, um, which is a huge emerging field. Um, a lot of what we've seen come out in the last couple of months around virtual. Um, my company is fully virtual. We've grown exponentially in terms of how we can really leverage this digital landscape to build connections and relationships. So there's some exciting things happening right now. Um, and it's about leaning into those areas that have really expanded over the past year and will continue to grow and expand. They've had huge uh, opportunities for transformation and for growth. We're only going to ride the, that momentum further. Uh, so find what you enjoy, tap into your network, and look at you know, some of those industries that have really been impacted in the past couple months that are growing, expanding, and hiring. And I would say to take risks while, while you're, you know, early, early in your post-grad career. Um, stick with something and, and give it a chance, but if you're unhappy, take the risks now and take the chances now on trying something new. Um, you know, before you, before, not that it's too late cause it's never too late, but I do think, you know, so often we look at changing jobs or quitting a job as, as failure. But a lot of times too, you know, you want to give something, give something time, pay it, you know, the homage it's worth. But if it hits a point where you're truly, truly unhappy, you can't put it, you know, a dollar sign on on happiness and, and your mental health um, and your work culture as well. So just take those risks now um, in your in your few years after after graduation. Okay. Well, I think we might end on that great note of risk taking and um, being willing to keep exploring. So thank you all so much, Christy and Colleen and, and Jill and Beth. This has been amazing. Um, we're really so lucky to have your, your wisdom. So thank you.